Welcome to the Optimal Mindset. I'm your host, Johnny Taylor. I started this show because I am fascinated by human capabilities and performance. Why is it that certain people reach their potential and how does their mindset help them to succeed? I want to understand what are the tools, tactics and strategies high achievers use to optimize their mind and achieve greatness. In these episodes, we'll be speaking to some of my personal idols from sports and performance to discover the definition of an optimal mindset and how we can train our own minds to achieve our biggest dreams. Please follow the show on Instagram and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so we can share out the inspiring messages within each episode with a wider audience. Remember, train your mind, optimize your life. All right, welcome back to the show, Mike Kramer. Today's uh, episode is very special because it is our first two-time guest. So thanks for joining us today, Mike. Oh, it's great to be back, Johnny. It's great to be back. All right, after your, uh, such a successful episode last time, uh, we spoke about your Ironman preparation in the Philippines, and you went out there and ran an amazing race. You finished in second place overall uh, and first in your age group. Um, and your time qualified you for the World Championship in Nice. Today, we're going to reflect on your amazing success and your mindset and how you executed your race plan. And one thing that I loved, and this really resonated with me, was on Facebook, you posted, what am I capable of? And today, I really, really want to find out. It's great to be back there. One thing before the first question, I think it's important for the listeners to know, like, I, yeah, I, I had probably the performance of my lifetime, but you know, to come second in an Ironman event sounds like this heroic, amazing thing, which it is, but because most Ironman events have like close to a thousand people and there were only 300 people at this event. So it was a far more limited field. So that need does need to be taken into account. But yeah, it's great to be back. Oh man, I feel like you're being a little bit humble here, but, uh, but, but let's <laughs> dive in anyway. So could you um, tell us all about your race? Like what was the race like and kind of how did you yeah, how was your journey on the day? Um, so we got up there and preparations had been so smooth. Like I think I told you on the la- last podcast that there's normally something that goes wrong or we're trying to sort something out with the bike or registration and everything had been so smooth. I checked everything in by 11 a.m. The, the day before on the Saturday and I'd like on the Saturday I'd already done a pre-race run, swim and bike and you know, it was feeling really good and so it was just really relaxed. But it had been raining nonstop for two days, like since we'd got to Subic. So Sunday morning, probably wake up, I don't know, three-ish, stayed in bed till about four-ish, and it's still raining. And in my head, I'm just like, yes, yes, I hope it rains the whole day, because uh, obviously it makes it so much cooler. So um, the conditions really, really did suit me. Um, with it being like last year, it was probably 36, maybe even 38 degrees with, you know, 90 odd percent humidity. So today uh, on Sunday, it was, you know, 28, you know, 30, max 32 at times. So that really does make a difference when you're going to do 10 or 12 hours out in the sun. Um, so it did mean that the, the, the sea was a lot choppier. Uh, it was pretty rough, actually. Uh, and so a lot of people actually like, uh, didn't finish the swim. Uh, there were a lot of people at the start who were just like, standing and not even diving into the waves. Um, and so the lifeguards were, were pretty busy. But like, I mean, I, I, I grew up playing water polo, so I'm used to getting drowned and like, you know, not having breath and all of this. So as soon as, as, soon as the, the gun started, like, I just absolutely flew in. I was in the front pack. Um, and so, you know, started off well and like, yeah, goggles leaked a little bit. So I had to do that. 
and normally things like that would upset you but i'm just like this is awesome like i i'm really enjoying the waves like you couldn't really see the boys too well and I just, yeah, I liked that it was different than last year. Uh, I liked that it was more challenging. Um, but what, what was difficult was to see around you. So in the beginning, one person overtook me uh, straight away and I tried to keep up with him. And I was like, no way, this guy is clearly a phenomenal swimmer. Um, so I let him go. And then I didn't see the other, you know, three people pass me, which made me think the whole time I was coming second when actually after the swim I was coming fifth. And it would have been nice to just draft behind them to save to save a bit of energy. Um, but yeah, the, the swim was awesome. And then you get onto the bike and it really, like I said to uh, a friend, Jonathan McCarthy was there. I was like, oh, you know, it was like monsoon-like conditions. And he's like, man, what are you talking about? It was a monsoon. <laughs> it was just wild rain. And so it was a lot cooler uh, which was really good. And then on the run, it probably rained only half the time, maybe. Um, so it did mean it stayed a lot cooler throughout the time, which, which really suited me. Uh, that's so interesting. Why, why do you think that, that the conditions favoured you so much, whereas compared to other athletes? Like why do you think those adverse torrential rain, why, did, why do you think that helped your race execution more than others? Well, I think, I think one uh, is kind of like having a, a relatively strong swimming background where a lot of people who do triathlons don't have that. And, and so then they do get a little bit more nervous in the open water and the rough seas. And so like that didn't bother me at all. I didn't even blink an eye about that. And then, and then two, not being from the Philippines, you know, exercising in 35 degree plus humidity is really like my body. I really struggle with that. I mean, most people do, <laughs> but, but myself uh, more so than the, 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 the other Filipinos here, I would say. Um, so, uh, yeah, just being more suited to kind of conditions I grew up with, um, you know, growing up in Cape Town winters, there's lots of rain. I used to love go running in the rain. So it just reminded me of that. And uh, I've always loved running in the rain. It's my favorite conditions to run. Oh, I love it. So you mentioned there that um, the night before everything was going kind of really smoothly and everything was, was flowing really nicely. Mm. I actually want to take you back to the, the night before the race. Did you have any pre-race nerves? Uh, and if you did, how did you manage to deal with these nerves? Yeah, definitely. I was, I, I was, I was very nervous, but it was like a, it was a good nervous. It was like an excited, uh, like, come on, let's do this type of nervous, not like anxious. Oh, I'm going to let myself down. Oh, I'm going to fail. It wasn't, it wasn't that it was, it was positive nerves. And I think, and I think to be honest, if you're not nervous about something like this, you've got to question yourself because, uh, if you've put so much into it and you've really trained hard, it, it means something to to you, and you want to do as best as you can. So, so you are going to be nervous about that. Uh, and so, yes. Um, so that was the po positive nerves. There was a little bit of negative nerves, and that was on my bike. I was like, just. I, I don't know why, but my bike had been going so smooth and so good for so many months. I hadn't had any issues. We normally have technical issues on my bike, and I'm a terrible mechanic. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to get a puncture on the bike. Like, that was my thing I was dreading the most. So that was I was nervous about. But I obviously didn't say this to anyone because I didn't want to jinx it. Um, but uh, apart from that, no, it was it was good. The night before, we'd gone out for dinner with friends, and it was just a really nice, you know, evening full of laughter and good chats, and really relaxing, actually. Oh man, it sounds like uh, it sounds like it was really smooth. So in those in those moments of self doubt, when you're talking about, or in your head, you're talking about the bike, and and you know, kind of almost worrying or expecting the worst, is what did you do to kind of like flip those thoughts around? 
I think the first thing is like you've got to worry about what you can control. So it was an ir irrational fear that something's going to go wrong with the bike, but that's natural. We're human beings. We have irrational fears. And I, I would just think to myself, well, I can't control that. Like if something happens on the bike, I've packed my spare tire, I've packed, I've packed you know, the tools to kit it, so to, to change it if I need to, but worry about what, what, what you can control. And then the second thing, like when I was a little bit, especially in the, on the race morning on the Sunday, I was a little bit nervous and like, I, like I'd gone down to check in my bike. So I'd been at the race and then we went back to the hotel room to just chill out. And then, you know, the magnitude of the event kind of hit in and it was a little bit of that, like, oh, Sherbet, it's, it's today. This is what you've been training for for six months. So um, I just would focus on what I have done and be like, wow, you've trained. And that's, Cassie was so good with that. She said to me, you know, you've trained so hard. This is, this is where you go out uh, and enjoy it. And so I think those were the two things, like focusing on what I can control, worrying about what I can control, and then two, not worrying about, you know, the damage that might come forward, but focusing on the, um, the hard work that you've put in and being able to execute your plan, basically. I love it. That's really good advice there. And yeah, you might be, again, I know we said this last time about you being the first person to, to use the Taylor Swift analogy. You might also be the first person on the podcast to use the word, oh, sure, but I think that might be the first time that I've, heard, I've heard that one from anyone on the show. But, uh, but thanks for sharing. So, Obviously, you said earlier, and I agree with you, that you had the race of your life. And I mean, what an amazing achievement. So just really, really well done. And, and you can be really proud. What do you think contributed to this? Was it the training? Was it the mindset? Was it the nutrition? Or was it kind of a combination of all of these? Wow. Um, yeah, it's definitely a combination of all of those. I think, I think first and foremost is having the, you know, the right... Uh, I think it's like mindsets, behaviors, and your environment. So my mindset was um, really dedicated and focused for six months. And I had, you know, obviously turned that then into the behavior, which was the dedicated training um, and the habits of setting yourself up for success. And then thirdly, the, um, the environment. And that's, you know, having a really supportive girlfriend, amazing friends and family. Like the week leading up to the race after your podcast, obviously sent that to family and friends. And the response I got was just so overwhelming. And then I, I read all those messages the night before uh, that I got from friends and family. And I read them again on the Sunday morning and, and used that as part of my, you know, my motivation, which I absolutely loved. So, you know, what contributed to it? Yeah, like definitely the mindset and then training a lot more, having a coach this time. A year down the road, you're a lot more experienced as an athlete. You're a year older as a human being. So you're more comfortable in your own skin. You know yourself a little bit better. The nutrition was crucial and um, that was something I really practiced a lot. Like I trained consuming close to 120 grams uh, of carbs an hour, which is too much for a stomach to handle. And so uh, often on training days, my stomach would not be happy. And then on race days, going more at just, uh, you know, 90 to 100 grams of carbs an hour. And so, you know, I'd, I'd really dialed in exactly what I needed. I knew what I needed per hour and how I was going to get that. Like that was planned months in advance. Um, having more sleep and like I think you know you know in weeknights I go to bed at 8:30 and uh, and nothing will change that you know I'm very rigid on that and then you know when I train I train and when I'm not Cassie gets so frustrated if we're walking somewhere I walk so slowly because in my mind it's like I'm recovering I'm recovering for the next training session um, and then obviously the other contributors I think what what I just said on the the conditions on the day so there, there's so many factors and you can't pinpoint you know, one, two or three things, but I think you can group it into two th in three themes of like your mindset, your, your behavior, and then your environment.
which uh, I've, by the way, stolen from a book I'm reading uh, at the moment uh, calling High Performance. <laughs> uh, perfect. Do you want to just tell, tell the audience um, what High Performance, who's it written by? And do you want to give us a kind of why you think it's such a great book? Because I'm excited to read it as well after you, man. <laughs> Yeah, so so my aunt sent me this book on on Monday after the race. I mean, I don't know why she didn't send it to me before the race. It really would have helped. Um, But it's called (laughs) High Performance Lessons from the Best on Becoming Your Best by uh, Jake Humphrey and Damien Hughes. So one of them is a professor um, at the University of Manchester, and one of them is the lead host for uh, BT Sport. And and they have been running a podcast very similar to yours for the last three years, uh, interviewing high performers to find out, you know, how do they perform well? And so it's grouped all of these hundreds of podcasts into into themes, and and their themes are mindset, um, behavior, and environment, or culture. Awesome, and we can link the we can link those in the in the notes as well, so if people want to find that book as well. So our previous guest, and I really like this, our previous guest David Samuel, uh, the the tennis the ATP tennis coach, said competence builds confidence, and I wonder if that is something that with your resonance and with your intensive and with your meticulous training, do you think that all this competence in terms of the preparation helped you to be more confident? 100%. Yeah. And um, those are great podcasts. And, 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 and that, you know, it's such a, a simple line to remember, but I think it's based off Bandura's self-efficacy uh, motivational theory. And it, it's amazing. And yes, the, the more competent you are in something, obviously, the, the, the more confident you're going to be. So leading up to this, I, I would have all these metrics that I needed to hit, you know, I was aiming to achieve on the swim, the bike and the run. And then with like a month to go before the race, I was surpassing them. I was doing the fastest swims of my life, the longest and best bikes of my life and the best running of my life. And every session I could like, I was feeling better. I was feeling lighter and easier and just enjoying it more. So yes, I I knew I was more competent. I was a far better swimmer. I was a far better uh, cyclist and, and, and a way better runner than I've ever been. And, and so knowing that, it, does, it just gives you that deep sense of self-belief uh, that you can do that. And, and obviously, you know, again, a fine line between confidence and arrogance, but you need to have confidence to go into the something. You need to know that you can back yourself and you support yourself. And when the going gets hard, you're going to stay in that positive mindset. And to do that, it comes from building the competence after, you know, years and months um, of, of hard work. So, yeah, I... I'm I'm completely in awe of what human beings are are, are capable of, and then what myself I, I am capable of, and 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 that's I think this this question I've been asking myself for over a decade now, like what am I capable of? And every time I do something like this, you know, I did I finished the thing in ten hours and forty five seconds, and a couple of cheeky mates sent a message. Oh, I'll bet you pissed off about those forty five seconds, and you're like. No, I didn't even think I didn't I didn't check my watch the overall race time once until I got to the finish line. I didn't even know what my overall time was because I was just sticking on my heart rate zones and the pace zones that I'd set for myself. So it was like, but then it's like, what? I came close to doing a sub 10 Ironman. Now, as always, there's what's next. So what am I capable of? Yeah, of course, that's going to be a new goal to do sub 10, take 45 bloody seconds off at some point. <laughs> um, we'll see. But, but, but yeah, and it's like, what am I like? I thought to myself at some point in the race. I remember, like, it was probably about 110 k's into the bike. So maybe you, you know, I'm probably close to four, yeah, four hours in of exercising, and it was the first time I felt slightly tired. 
And I was like, what the hell? You've been going for four, over four hours, and now you only start getting tired? Like, that's incredible. And I was just like, that's amazing. Let's, like, let's keep going. Like, what, well, how, how much further can you push it? How much faster can you go? Or like, how, how much longer could I maintain this? So, uh, yeah, co competence builds confidence. I love that line. Uh, thanks, Johnny. Oh, me too. And I, I really like, and I read that yesterday as well on your post about the question of what are you capable of? Do you think that translates into other, I know we talked a bit about this last time, but do you think that idea of achieving something so huge as, as this Ironman, do you think that idea of proving yourself that you're more capable than you think, does that translate into other areas of your life? Yeah. I think it spills over into every area of your life. I think it's a, you know, it it it, it builds your deep self belief, your self esteem, your self worth, and then you know having that extra confidence and and, and belief in yourself carries over into uh, having a more positive frame of mind about yourself, and so that you then are more a positive person to be around. And positivity is contagious, so it affects your relationships with people you surround yourself in. It definitely has, has benefited me professionally in terms of what I do as a teacher. Like I know I'm a way better teacher, but partly because of constantly trying to challenge myself. And you know, someone said the other day, the kids that we teach are constantly giving their best and putting their all into the things they do. Shouldn't we do the same? And you're like, yeah, of course. If, if we really want our kids to push themselves and be better than who they were yesterday, which is constantly what we try to do as educators, we should be doing that ourselves. So, so yeah, I think that the spillover effects into every facet uh, of your life are hugely beneficial. And that's one of the many reasons why I'm such a, a advocate for anybody to be doing some sort of movement, whatever it is that suits them, because it's just got such positive spillover effects. I love it, and I and I think a lot of your, you know, the students at school. I know you're. I know you've been very humble about this, but I also think a lot of the students at school will be really inspired by, you know, the work that you've done and and the achievements that you've had. You know, people can be get infectious energy from listening to you. So yeah, I really do appreciate that, man. So <laughs> last interview. This Thanks, was one of the. But before uh, we go on, the, the, there was one uh, ISM family at the finish line. Um, you know, the the parents and 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 the child, and I've or he's he's a teenager, great going into grade ten, and I coached him rugby this year, and like seeing someone who you've who you've taught or coached at the finish line, it was it was so awesome. So yeah, I love having that. You know, being a person of the community and having people from your community there. Oh man, and we're definitely going to talk about that later in the show. So that's that's a really good point. So <laughs> so thanks for sharing. So um. Last interview, we talked about the, this idea, and our, and our listeners love the idea of this pain cave that you talked about, which is something that's going to stick around for a while. But did you hit the pain cave, or did you reach the pain cave? And how did your mind to help you to to keep going during those tough moments in this race? <laughs> Let's first clarify. I definitely don't think I've coined the term "the pain cave." I love it though, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I know too, quite a few too. people also use it. But yeah, um, did I hit the pain cave? Yes, to an extent. With uh, with ten k's to go on the run, like I, I just, I was. I wouldn't say I was fully broken, but I was just exhausted. My energy levels were low. And I, I think I, what I said on the last time, for me, the pain cave is when you're physically, emotionally and mentally, you know, uh, broken and shattered and you just want to quit and everything's telling you to quit. But I think you don't need to have all three of those to be in the pain cave. And there's so many people who go through the pain cave, you know, with everyday struggles of life. 
Um, but let's get this back to the Ironman, to the triathlon. And, and so, yeah, with 10Ks to go, I was, yeah, I just, I wanted to be done so badly. And I thought, to, I was like, I hadn't taken a single step of, of walking yet. And now you're over nine hours of exercise and I hadn't walked a single step. And I was like, in my head, I, I, I played the story. I was like, okay, so you're going to walk for a bit now. You can get some water in, but what's going to change? Like, what's actually going to change? And then I was thinking, my legs, they, they feel okay. Like, I know they can do another 10Ks. And I was like, my lungs, like, I'm, I'm getting, you know, not the best breathing going on, but I'm getting good breaths in. And nutrition, at that point, my stomach was, was done. I just tried to have a gel and, like, had a little sip of it and then threw it away. I, I could barely stomach anything. And I was like, I'm probably not going to get much nutrition in. Like, this is one hour, you know. It's not even an hour. It's less than 50 minutes to go. Last 10Ks, like... And then Jonathan McCarthy shouted, this is what you've trained for. And you're like, Hell's, hell yes, like this is the moment of what you train for where suddenly, you know, you've got to rise to the challenge. And, and it's called an endurance event for, for a reason. You have to endure. You've got to go through, through hardship. And I was like, okay, here it is. It's 50 minutes. I can do that. And, and so I kind of stopped really looking at my watch because I knew there was 10Ks to go. And then suddenly there were 7Ks to go. And then I don't even remember 6Ks going. And then I'm like, it's a 5K. It's a 5K to go. I know I can do this. So you just, you just push through. But I think it's also after having, if I had had this experience without having done last year, 100% would have walked uh, and, and would have like, you know. But I was just like, I know I can do this. I know I can endure for, for, another, for less than another hour and then it's done. Um, so yeah, um, there you go. Oh, perfect. It sounds like you almost use that previous experience i know i know we talk a bit about david goggins sometimes but that idea of having like a, a cookie jar right and and reaching in and, and pulling out a cookie and having that previous experience to help you push and then you were just very present right you were just doing it you know you weren't looking at your watch you were just very present and just breaking it one one almost like one step at a time right just to, to get to the end so that is an amazing achievement so Obviously, you've qualified for the World Championship. What are you most looking forward to about competing in a World Championship in Nice and France, which is which is just going to be incredible? What are you What are you excited for? It's weird when you when you say that, like, because I've obviously read this, you know, and you get an email from Ironman, congrats, you've qualified, and then you 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 you, you go and enter. And it still doesn't feel real. And like, so you saying that, so like, what does it feel like? It's disbelief. It's like, holy moly, you've, you've qualified for the world championship. So I think, yeah, the first like reaction is disbelief. And, um, and, and then is obviously the second one is an excitement. It's like, oh yeah, let's, let's go. Um, I was ready to have a good, good holiday and a break, but it's like, no, I'm, I'm, uh, had a good week of rest now and I'm ready to start training again next week. Back to work. I don't think I answered work. your question though. Was the, was the question? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so the question was, what are you, what are you most excited for? Or what are you most looking forward to leading up to the the new, the new or the next race? Oh, what am I most excited for? Like seeing my heroes. I cannot wait. Like at the same race, I'm going to be at the same race as as Lucy Charles Barkley, you know, as as Jan Frodeno, as Christian Blumenfeld, as I can go talk smack to Lionel Sanders. Like <laughs> I, I mean, obviously I'm not because they're professionals <laughs> and there there are a couple of thousand of us there who are who are just going to be like, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to see to to see all the pros in action and these people who I idolize and I think they are they are great role models uh, to have in your life and then to see them in the flesh 
And then obviously to see them racing, because I'll be on the same course as them. I mean, I won't see them on the swim, but on the bike, they'll be coming, they'll be lapping me. Oh, no, no, it's not. There's one course. I won't actually see them on the bike, but I will see them on the run. There you go. The run is four loops. I'll see some of them on the run. They'll be, they'll be finishing as I'm starting the run. And like, that, that'll just be so cool. And then the second thing that I'm really looking forward to is being like, it's now, it's 11 weeks today. And it's like, holy moly, I did uh, an Ironman last week and I've got 11 weeks. Can I physically, mentally, emotionally go, the, go that distance again in 11 weeks' time? And, and so that's a challenge I haven't had before. So it's, it's a new challenge and something that I'm, I'm, I'm going to relish. But I will obviously take it slow for the next three weeks building up to, to fitness again. Perfect. Yeah, it comes back to your question, right? What are you capable of? What are, are you capable of preparing for an Ironman in eleven weeks? So, so thanks for for your for your notes. So, I know you talked about you know as human beings, we're always looking to improve and we're always looking to strive to get better. So, what are you planning to work on for next time? And what areas do you think that you need to improve upon for the next race? I think let's get to the technical stuff first. Like I think I think the swim. I know I can shave off in in flat conditions at least three or four minutes, um, and and so that will with the you know the swimming fitness that I have, just better conditions will make that easier. Uh, the bike is going to be a lot more harder because it's it's a very hilly course in Nice. It's double the elevation. I think it's two thousand four hundred meters of elevation over the hundred and eighty. So. I, what I'm going to need to improve on is my heel climbing and then technical descending skills, um, which Manila's good practice for that with all the crazy traffic that we have. So I'll be needing to weave in and out. Um, and then the run is is pretty flat. But what I want to improve on then is, so I basically, in my first Ironman, I broke off to 15Ks. On this one, I didn't fully break, but I came close to, to 32, on, on, at 32Ks of, of breaking. And I I would love if I could do the whole thing without even getting into that point of the pain cave. I don't know if that's realistic, but 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 that's a that's a goal. So to do that, you've got you know it's it's working on that mindset. And so I know I was so much mentally stronger, and that I could endure you know constantly one moment longer. That was I was telling myself just one more moment, one more moment, and and to to have that, but not to need to get to that level. That 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 would be a great goal to have. So we'll see. Uh, that's a good point so practically how is there any way that you plan i know it's a little bit of a tricky question here but practically how would how do you go about working on your mindset is there anything you can think of other than what we've talked a lot about today which is this idea of experience and competency are there any practical things that you can think of that you can do to to work on this mindset i think constantly still uh looking to learn and uh, in like in in embrace you know completely immerse yourself in uh in this for another three months and read you know keep reading when i whenever i've got free time i'll watch triathlon pod, uh youtube videos or listen to triathlon podcasts so just completely immerse that, yourself in what your goal is um and like yeah i get pretty obsessive about this which i'm not sure is is, is always too healthy but i think that that's a great way apart from you like you say the technical uh things and training it's just immersing yourself in, in that and and then that can constantly you know if you're constantly surrounded you you know the messages that you're sending to yourself or people who are doing extraordinary things all the time you you start to believe 
you're capable of that. And that's what another friend said to me, like, you know, ordinary people are capable of extraordinary things all the time, but you've just got to actually look around and see it. And, and it's all around you. So just constantly keeping those, those motivational levels topped up, which, which yeah, definitely won't be a problem. You can listen to yourself. Uh, you can listen to yourself on the podcast. Now you've been on the show twice as well, right? You can listen back to episodes. <laughs> um, so I, and I think this has almost been one of the themes of today's conversation, which, which I've kind of picked up on. I was reading, again, I was reading David Goggins book the other day, and he talked about this idea of having a foxhole, which is essentially choosing the people around you in your corner that you can rely upon. And I think that's something that really related to, I thought about you when I was reading it, and then I also thought about that, by that quote during the conversation. How do you, or how did the people around you during this race, how did they help you to support and crew you and help you out as you completed the, the Ironman? Yeah, I think I'm just, like one of the things about these events that is amazing, you just get so filled with gratitude for the people in your life. And, and, and my girlfriend is so supportive and so amazing and is there every step of the way. And part of me thinks it must sometimes be more challenging being the support crew because they were, you know, she was running around, you know, being at every spot where they could. And they, they, they were exhausted. So she's amazing. And like if I, if I close my eyes and think back to, to the race, like the, the memory that I'm going to hold for like the rest of my life is at a point in the run where there may be 15 k's to go so i was still feeling so good uh, and it like the monsoon started again it was wild and uh jonathan uh comes on his motorbike next to me on the other side of the road with cassie on the back and they just shouting encouragement and like sending love and 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 and, and you know positive messages and i just had was running with my hands in the air for a little bit being like yes this is this is amazing and then zach tessa and and blake were there as well and at one point during the run as well <laughs> zach drove past in his car pumping the taylor swift as loud as he could and zach is not a taylor swift fan so you know having people there do that because they know how much i would appreciate it and 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 i i would have loved it and so having those people there was just yeah it means everything to me and then those are the physical people who can be be there and that's you know my my friends and family in manila and and, and you know when you when you're abroad and you miss your family so much your friends become your family and and so having them there was so supportive but you know the message i'd received from my friends and and family before like you carry those in your heart on on the day and uh a message i'd got from um one of my good friends is mom so who's known me probably since like grade one or grade two she'd sent me a message the day before saying good luck uh just think to yourself how lucky am i that i get to do this and that was like a message i was playing to myself especially on the bike for like five hours on the bike this wide open highway in front of you pouring down with rain and you're feeling good and you're overtaking people and i'm just like how lucky am i that i get to do this like one that i i'm physically capable of being able to do this two that i'm, I'm living in the philippines like this is this is awesome three that you know i've got the financial means to be able to you know participate in events like this because they definitely aren't cheap and and you know the list goes on and on and so it's just you know having those people around you is is just filling your cup up with overflowing your cup with gratitude and i think if you race with that gratitude or you've got that stored in your heart in your soul um that's what really what 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 can carry you and, and make you push yourself further like like bloody tessa jones on 19 k's she started shouting at me go faster go 
faster. And I was, you know, I was running five minute Ks after. And I'm like, come on. And then you're like, wait, maybe I can go faster. Maybe I can. So, yeah, there you go. Oh, man, that's such a... I'm blown away. That's such an interesting, like, idea, right? Because I think often and i and i sometimes say this right like and i'm not saying that we think of sport as like competition and like you know like pain and like you know all this but actually you can shift your mindset to a certain degree about having gratitude and joy and and like like annie said annie annie on the podcast the other day was talking about doing it for the joy and the love right and i think that i'm not saying that you know this idea of pushing yourself and this idea of pain is 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 not something that we should choose but you can also use like a grateful gratitude mindset to help us perform right as well yeah definitely and 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 i think yeah i think i raced with that for a lot of it in my heart but i'll also be honest with you i am i think i told you before i am outrageously competitive i don't think this is <laughs> if anyone thinks they're more competitive than me let's do a competition so they're like i'd raced with that mindset of joy and love during the swim and the bike and then i get off on the run and i see uh blake zach and tess and i just shout instructions at them and i'm like i need to know what position i am how far the leader is ahead and what pace is the leader running because when i came off the run you know i didn't i, I, I didn't I, I kept on thinking on the bike more people are going to overtake me because i'm not I, i'm i'm used to not being a good cyclist and suddenly i'm you know i'm i'm one of the better cyclists on the course I well i was on saturday on sunday and I know I'm a strong runner. So it comes out on the run. And then for the first time, I thought, holy hell, I've got a chance to podium in a full Ironman event. Like, let's go. And I just went full competitive, like wanting to, like, I was so focused. And so then, you know, for the beginning of the run and a lot of that, it was more on that competitive, like, okay, let's go. Okay, he's 17 minutes ahead. He's 16 minutes ahead. He's 15 minutes ahead. Oh, and then there was one cage where he obviously had two rough kilometers and he's like, it's down to 11 minutes. And I'm like, oh, could I take 11 minutes off? Like, and, and so there, there was that outrageous, outrageous competitive spirit uh, as well. So I think it's balancing that competitive side and that compassionate side. Because um, if you're too compassionate, when you get into the pain cave, you might not you know, have enough to, to go on. And if you're too competitive you're setting yourself off in external uh, goals which you can't control. You can't control how your, your competition's going to perform. So you can't just be competitive. You've got to have that, that compassion as well. Yeah, I've got a couple of things to add to that. So it's a really good point, I think. Um, I think initially, and I said this before, when I started this podcast, I expected to find like one true like optimal mindset that's like the perfect way. But actually, the mind is so complicated and the way that we think is so complicated that there's many different tools and many different strategies and many different tactics that can help you in different moments of, of life and different moments of each race so I think you've summed that up really nicely I love the idea of extrinsic and intrinsic and to go back to you, com your competitiveness for anyone that's listening don't ever play Settlers of Catan against Mike Kramer because it is his competitiveness makes it almost to the point where it's not fun so <laughs> it's perfect. ruined friendships in the past <laughs> 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 all right so <laughs> moving on um i know on your post you talked about um your facebook post you talked about some of the things that you learned so i i have a question about what do you think if we relate this back to the the, the goal of the podcast which is about which is about the mindset and, and how we can improve our mindset what were the three biggest takeaways about your mindset that you learned from this race mm. 
I think mindset-wise, the first thing is you've got to you've got to have a plan. Um, and, and I know that's quite practical, more than the mindset. But if you know where you're going, if you know where you're going, and you know what you need to do to get there, I think that's cru- crucial to for for your mindset. And then, obviously, you're going to try and stick to this plan, but you've also then got to be flexible with it, and 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 be you know not too rigid in how you approach it, and being ready to adjust it as per your individual circumstances. Uh, so that would be the first one. Have a plan. Um, the second thing is similar to what Annie spoke about on her podcast is, is the enjoyment factor. Uh, my coach said to me, I had a call with him just before the race and I was like, after, you know, doing the technical race strategy stuff, I was like, come on, Matt, any, uh, any wise words of wisdom? I mean, he's a pro triathlete, which is amazing. And I, you know, I was ready for these knowledge drum bopped on me. And all he said was, it's easier if you're enjoying it. And when he said it, I was so disappointed. I expected so much more. And then all I thought about for the three days until the race was that it's easier if you're enjoying it. And then on race day, I was just smiling for 90% of it until those last 10Ks. And I was like, yeah, it is so much easier uh, if you're enjoying it. Um, and then thirdly, I think the, 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 the mindset is you've got to have that, that gratitude that you're able to do things. And that's what we spoke about before. So I think, you know, how lucky am I that I get to do this? So... Um, and, and just fully embracing that. So I think three, three mindset learnings that I've taken from this is, you know, have a plan. Um, it's easier if you enjoy it and, uh, and uh, fill yourself with, you know, be aware of gratitude and think how lucky you are to, to do it. One final uh, one, actually, if we do do a bonus one, I know you said three, uh, is go back to what I said earlier about an endurance event. Like, it's going to be hard. Like, it's going to challenge you. It's going to make you endure. And, and, like we said earlier, like doing hard things makes the next hard thing you do slightly less hard. So knowing that there is going to be difficulty ahead and, and not shying away from it, like rising up to that challenge. Uh, because if it was easy, you know, why would we do all the things that we want to do if they're all easy the time? And so you do having that mindset that you do learn the most, you do grow the most as an individual when you're out of your comfort zone. And how do we get out of our comfort zone? One of our one ways is to, you know, put yourself in challenging conditions oh, excellent those are three awesome point or three so three slash four awesome points there and i think our listeners can definitely learn from you um about the completion of this race so thank you thank you so much so i know last time you shared your three um your three or four books that you've been reading um do you have any i know you're a big fan of listening to podcasts do you have any podcasts that you would recommend people who are maybe interested in triathlon or even just interested in like mindset and performance and kind of self-development. Do you have any, Mm -hmm. a couple of podcasts you could recommend for, for our listeners? Yeah. So what is before I started training heavily for this on the bike, I, you know, I, I listened to a podcast kind of as a bit of a treat, but for the last, you know, year or so, when you're doing all this time on the bike indoors, it gives you like so much time to listen and to learn. And so I've, I've loved that as training, but sorry, you didn't ask about that. You asked who um, you asked who to follow. So my two favorite podcasts in terms of training, uh, one is called How They Train. Uh, it's run by an Aussie guy called Jack, and he, once a week, he interviews one of the top triathletes uh, in the world. And it used to be called um, uh, How They Train because they would literally talk about their training week. What did they do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? And it's insane. And then obviously they get into the, the mindset behind it and then they get into the motivations and performance and, and everything. It's now, uh, the podcast name has changed into the triathlon now because it's broadened. It's not just about training now. And I think he's realized that. 
Um, the second one is called The Greg Bennett Show, um, where he's actually started this, uh, this website called Any Question. So you could go on this website called Any Question, and they have a range of top pros in so many fields, not just exercise, and you ask them a question and the pro actually responds, but, um, which is awesome. So I like listening to that, but uh, his podcast is brilliant where he, he interviews top performers like he had, you know, Michael Johnson on there. And so it's not just triathlon and, and so many other people that I've really enjoyed listening to their stories. And, and interestingly, the slogan for Greg's show is called uh, success comes to those who endure one moment longer. And I wasn't thinking about success during the race, but I was thinking endure for one moment longer. Like, can you do it for one moment longer? So, yeah, those would be my top uh, top two. The triathlon hour and um, uh, the Greg Bennett show. Ah, oh, excellent. Those, again, we'll link to those in the show notes for people that want to, uh, to check those podcasts out, which I would highly recommend doing. So I know... Um, Maybe you could just give us, uh, where can people find you? I know you mentioned this last time, but where can people find you if they want to follow your journey for the, the next race? I'm not sure anyone will, <laughs> but uh, Instagram is probably the best place. Um, Instagram at Mike Kramer uh, SA um, or Facebook as well. Or a good old email, uh, Michael Kramer SA at gmail.com. I check my email more regularly than I check social media, <laughs> which is, is, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> Uh, excellent. Well, we'll again, we'll add these to the notes so people can, can can follow up. But I just really wanted to firstly thank you for uh, for coming back um, and and recording a second episode. But just super grateful, man, that you're willing to share and um, you know you're re- willing to talk about your experiences and, and be vulnerable enough to to share your journey. And I would love to maybe catch up um, in you know as later on when you head towards your next race i know you're going to go out there you're going to crush it again but it'll be cool to do maybe a, a round three in uh, in a few months time when uh, when you're getting ready for your your world championship race so thanks for joining the show man we really do appreciate it Thank you, Johnny. And just just uh, for myself and also for half of your listeners, man, keep up this great work. I love the range of people that you get on this podcast and uh, how we can listen and learn from, you know, it's just cultivating that community of learning and wanting to, you know, listen to others and hear people's stories. So thank you for, for, for giving me this platform. I, I, yeah, I really do enjoy it and love your work, man. So keep it up. Uh, me too. No, I appreciate that a lot, man. Thanks very much. All right. This has been The Optimal Mindset. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope to see you again real soon. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the Optimal Mindset podcast today. We are available on SoundCloud and on Spotify. I've included all my information in the show notes for those who wish to find out more about our our guests and upcoming episodes. Remember, train your mind, optimize your life.